the joy to worship together this morning, lift up our voices collectively as a church family to the Lord. Let's continue on in worship now by turning in our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew, we are going to be in chapter 6, verses 5 through 8 this morning, Matthew chapter 6. Verses 5 through 8. A couple things to announce before we begin. Sam already mentioned it, but I have a picture here, so I'm going to one-up his announcement. This is Betsy and A.J. Montel's uh, daughter, Amelia Marie. She was born on Thursday, and uh, everything is going great so far. I mean, how could it not be going great? Look at that precious face. So, very sweet. So, congratulations to Betsy and A.J. and uh, being, uh, on the birth of their daughter, and uh, yeah, be praying for their family. And speaking of prayer, uh, one other prayer request. Uh, I have something that you can be praying for. I just wanted to announce on March 6th, myself and Christopher Salisbury and Marcy Harpel are going to be traveling to Ghana, Africa to visit our missionary partners, Chad and Marnie Butlers. I don't have a cute picture of Christopher to throw on the screen like we did of Amelia, but we're going to be going myself and Marcy and Christopher, and uh, we're leaving on March 6th uh, and coming back March 15th. A couple reasons for the trip. Uh, First of all, we just want to try to make it a practice to visit our missionary partners every once in a while uh, if we can and uh, just to encourage them from time to time. And then secondly, we want to see, uh, uh, see the ministry. I uh, obviously haven't been there before. And so want to see the ministry and help serve where we can. So we'll be serving in different ways. I'll be preaching in the church on a Sunday. Uh, Marcy is going to be teaching a lesson in the school. And Christopher is going to be leading the youth group. Uh, so definitely be praying for those kids as he uh, puts together the lesson for the youth group. But we're going to be serving just any way we can, just to be help, and help them and be an encouragement to them. And uh, it can be lonely when you're on the field. Uh, and so we want to go and be an encouragement, help where we can. But there's an, a third reason that we're going, and that is uh, after, so if you might remember Chad uh, was here sharing a little bit of an update uh, several months ago on uh, the ministry. And uh, we met with him, got lunch with him, and after uh, getting lunch with him, we felt like uh, there was something that we could really do to kind of add value to their ministry. So a year ago, if you remember, we as a church went through a strategic planning process. Uh, We brought in a consultant, and he went through a a leadership for a weekend and kind of planning the next steps of where we were going as a church, and that's what led to Foundations Hour. Uh, And so what we're going to do is bring that same strategic planning process that we went through and we're going to bring that with us and lead uh, Chad and Martin uh, through that process as well for uh, sustained hope in Ghana. And so we're just praying and hopeful that just as uh, immensely valuable as that was to us, that that will be helpful to them in some way as they kind of set the course for what the future of their ministry looks like. So you can be praying for all of that. Pray for health, pray for safety, pray for um, just us to be an encouragement, which really is one of the main reasons that we're going, and then that this strategic planning would be beneficial to them in their ministry. So like I said, March 6th, we're leaving and getting back on the 15th, and uh, super excited about that. I've never been to Africa before, so it'll be a new adventure for me. All right, well, hopefully you have turned, uh, you made it in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Let me pray, and then we are going to begin. Heavenly Father, God, we, um, we praise you for who you are. You are holy. You are good. You are perfectly set apart from us in your holiness, in your power, in your majesty, in your might. God, you cannot abide with sinful humanity. Um, 
and it would be uh, just perfectly um, within your power and perfectly just for you to just wipe sinful humanity off the planet, uh, just like you did in the flood, and, uh, and yet you promised you wouldn't do that again, and instead you uh, sent us your son, Father, as an ark of sorts, so that we might pass through the waters and be saved. And we praise you for that this morning, God. We thank you that you chose uh, to save even us. None of us deserved it while we were yet sinners, while we were running in your, the opposite direction of you, while we were uh, actively treasonous against your throne. You didn't give us the death penalty that we deserved, but you gave us your son and raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, Lord, we just come to you, and as we confess those truths, we also confess that it is just too big for our minds to even comprehend, God. And specifically this morning, as we begin to talk about prayer and what that looks like and how we are even able to go before your throne, Lord, and then even some ways that we take a privilege like prayer and we uh, turn it and, and make that for our own purposes, God, we confess that to you, Lord, but we just help, we just ask and pray that you would help us uh, this morning as we look to your word, as we look to this uh, what you tell us about prayer in your word, Father. Just help us uh, to be better disciples, Lord. Rid us of sin in our hearts that still lingers. And help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. What a Savior we get to serve. We praise you for that, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're uh, new with us this morning, first of all, welcome uh, once again. Uh, we're so glad that you've joined us. And we're, what we're doing right now in our time of preaching, uh, of preaching the word in our services, is we're walking through a series called Jesus and the Kingdom of God. And we're trying to look at uh, how does Jesus define the kingdom? What does life what is life supposed to look like in the kingdom of God? And if you've been with us and you've been paying really close attention, uh, we are in right now kind of smack dab in the middle of a portion of this series where we're looking at the teaching of Jesus. Specifically, what did Jesus teach us about how to live? And so we started by looking at the Beatitudes. We saw that a life following Jesus doesn't mean a life of ease, right? But we saw that backwards kind of would you rather that Jesus gives us in the Beatitudes. He said, it's better to be poor and mourning and hated and hungry with Jesus than rich and happy and full and popular without Jesus. And then last week, we looked at one of the most misquoted passages in all of Scripture, right? Judge not, yes, lest ye be judged. And we saw how tempting it is. I know I was very convicted by this, how tempting it is to care more about other people's sin than uh, sin in our own hearts. Jesus is calling us out of hypocrisy, right? We live in this age of like the social media pylon, right? Where that's where you, where that's, that's how you uh, demonstrate your morality is by pointing at somebody else and saying, at least I'm not that guy, right? And Jesus says, actually, you need to do the exact opposite. You need to pull the log out of your eye before you care about the speck in your brother's eye. So he calls us out of hypocrisy into this life that is just 
fulfilled over and over of repentance and forgiveness. This is just the regular pattern of the Christian life, and it is a beautiful thing indeed. This morning, we're going to start to look at what Jesus says about prayer. It's going to be, well, right now it's going to be two weeks, but I got a lot to say starting next week especially, so it might, be, uh, it might drag on for a little bit. But two weeks is what we're shooting for. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in a meeting with some people in our church, and the subject of prayer came up, and there was a person in that meeting who spoke up and said, I have to be honest. I sometimes find it hard to pray because I feel like whenever I start to pray, my mind starts to wander and I just kind of get distracted. And I could not believe it. I was shocked. In our church, of all places, somebody is struggling with being distracted in prayer. You know, this is obviously, so we started the process of church discipline, You'll you'll be relieved to know. And so we're dealing with it. And then I found out, somebody else told me, that even sometimes when I pray in a service, their mind wanders sometimes, and I couldn't believe it. How could this be happening? I'm kidding, obviously, right? This is, prayer is a a hard thing to do, and when you really think about it, it's a strange thing to do, right? We talk all the time about we serve a sovereign God, God who is in control of all Things, right? And yet we're called to pray and ask him to do things when he's already made up his mind about what he's going to do. So what does that even mean? Why, why do we even pray? How do we even pray? That's, those are some of the questions that we are going to be answering over the next couple weeks at least. And this morning, actually before I get into that, I just as a side note, I want to say that uh, I was joking about uh, the church discipline thing, obviously. But as a side note, that when that person spoke up and said that, that was one of like my favorite moments of the last couple weeks that I've had. It was just it was such a wonderful thing. I I just loved how they were brave enough to speak up in a group of people and about something that maybe they thought nobody else had a problem with, and they're just like, I I kind of struggle with that, and uh, it. And gave the opportunity for other people like you know what I struggle with that too and we and we had a really great conversation about prayer that wouldn't have happened if this person wasn't brave enough to raise their hand and say you know what I've kind of struggled with that and so I just want to say and this is completely unrelated to the topic of prayer but I think it's important I think one of the big ways that Satan likes to get in the way of your spiritual growth right the, the, he likes to mess it up is by telling you the lie that you're the only one who struggles with something or that you're the only one who doesn't understand something, right? I mean, how many times have you been in a life group or a Bible study or something and somebody's shared something and you're sitting there and you're like, I have no idea what they're talking about and I am not going to say anything because clearly everyone else is just nodding their heads. They get it and I'm the only one who doesn't get it, right? This was, uh, man, oh man, I'll tell you what, in seminary, this was like... Uh, the, the overwhelming feeling you have uh, at the, when, when you start out in seminaries is people are saying things and, and raising their hand and ask, answering. They're asking questions. I don't even know the words, what they mean in the questions that they're asking. And so I'm, everyone's sitting there with their books open. I'm with my books open and also Wikipedia trying to even figure out what the definitions of these words are, right? Here's, and then you kind of go on in seminary and then year three, towards the end, you realize, you know what? Nobody had any idea what they were talking about. <laughs> And man, I just, think it's, I just think it's a beautiful thing 
If you're just willing to just say, you know what, I don't really understand what is being said here. Or, you know what, I really struggle with that. Because what are you going to do? Not only is it going to help you in, in uh, bringing that to light, it's going to help the person next to you who also doesn't have an idea what's going on, and they were too afraid to raise their hand, right? So you're not only blessing yourself, you're blessing the people around you. And so I just want to encourage you. Again, this is completely unrelated to the topic, but I just want to take this opportunity to say, so if you're in a Bible study or men's group or women's group or life group or whatever, foundations class, and you don't understand something or you struggle with something, I just want to challenge you to be brave, raise your hand and say, actually, I have no idea what you're talking about. Or, you know, I've never been able to really figure out how to put that into practice in my life. That thing that maybe it seems like everyone else has figured out, I've never been able to figure it out. Can you help me uh, understand that? You're going to bless yourself. You're going to bless others around you. And if someone does respond negatively to you doing that, well, guess what? That means they got a log in their eye that they got to pluck out because there's plenty of stuff they don't understand either, right? All right, so that's the challenge. Again, that's, a, that's free. You don't have to put any extra in your tithe for that. I'm totally giving you that for free. But let's move on now back to the topic of prayer. Because strangely enough, for as big of a part of the Christian life that prayer is, this is the only time in Scripture that we're like specifically told how to pray here in Matthew chapter 6. And so we want to make sure that we take enough time to consider what Jesus is saying here and then put it into practice. And so actually, are we not, we're not only told how to pray, which we're going to get to next week. Here in Matthew chapter 6, we're actually, verses 5 through 8 is what we're going through. We're actually first told how not to pray. So before Jesus tells us how to pray, he tells us how not to pray. And so this week, we're going to look at what Jesus says about how not to pray. And then starting next week, we're going to look at what he says about how to pray. Sound good? All right, that was all together too long of an introduction. Let's jump into the text. Here's the first way not to pray, Jesus says, is to don't pray to manipulate people. Don't pray to manipulate people. Look at verse 5. He says this. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. All right, what's Jesus talking about here? One of the things that as we study the Gospels, we need to recognize that Jesus would have been saying things that to people, they would have completely understood what he was talking about because they saw it happen every day. But this is not something that we see happening every day, right? He says, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by people. Like, we, I'm uh, not getting calls from people in our church being like, Pastor Mike, Eric Underwood is out in front of the courthouse and he's just praying loudly so everyone can see him. Can you please go and take care of this situation, right? Like, this isn't happening. If, and if it is, and if, if Eric does that, then we would obviously deal with it as, as it came. But, like, what, so what is Jesus talking about here? Don't pray like the hypocrites. Who are the hypocrites? Well, in those days, in Jesus' time, it was common to pray at specific times of the day. There were specific hours that were called the hour of prayer in Jewish culture. And, and this was, there's nothing wrong with this. This is something that even the apostles did after Jesus ascended into heaven. In Acts 3.1, for example, it says, Now Peter and John were going to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. So this is something that was just pretty common. They would pray 
at certain times. But there were certain people who would exploit this, meaning they would organize their whole day so that at the time of prayer, they would be in a place where there were a whole bunch of people around so they could have an audience. You see what I'm saying? So they'd maybe, oh, would you look at the time? Here I am in this busy market with all these people. Why don't I just, oop, and look, there's a soapbox right here. Why don't I just step up here and I'll just do my prayers. I know it just so happens to be all these people are going to watch me and see how spiritual I am, right? That's what Jesus was talking about. People who would pray so that they would be seen by people. That's why they're praying. The reason for their prayer was so that the eyes of other people would be on them. What does Jesus say about them? He says, they have their reward. They have their reward. What does that mean? Why would, why would they get a reward for doing something like that? Well, I love, again, Jesus is, I love how he just uses so few words to just burn people. Like, it's great. He says, they have their reward. What is, so the word that's translated have is from a Greek word that means to experience an event to the limit of what one could expect. So they have, in praying so that other people have seen them, have experienced the reward in that moment to the fullest extent of what they can expect. Here's what he's saying. The only benefit to their praying is having other people see them. That's it. Their prayers are going up and bouncing back down. <laughs> Because the reward that they're getting isn't answered prayer from God, it's just other people seeing them. Another way to say it is, if they want to pray so people notice them, that's fine, but God doesn't notice them. That's the essence of what Jesus is saying here. Don't pray to manipulate the way that people think about you, Jesus says. Don't use prayer as a tool to make people see how spiritual you are. What are we supposed to do instead? Verse 6. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay, so that's interesting too, right? Don't pray so other people see you. Instead, go and pray in private and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret. Does that mean that we're not supposed to pray publicly anymore? Was I just in sin because I uh, prayed and all of you heard me? I hope not. I don't think that's what Jesus means because also Jesus himself prayed in public, right? And we're called to pray together. We're called to pray for one another. So why does Jesus say, don't pray in public, go pray in private? Well, I think it's this. Again, if we think about the hypocrites that are praying only so that they will be seen, what's the antidote to praying just to be seen? Praying in a secret place. Praying somewhere private. Somewhere that's just between you and the Lord. Again, so what do, what do we do with this? When it's a very different culture where we don't necessarily pray at only specific hours, right? And if somebody did see you praying in public, you'd be like, what in the world is this crazy person doing, right? How do we apply it? Well, I think even though the practice is different today, the principle is the same, which is pray to an audience of one. Pray to an audience of one. When you pray, focus on who you're praying to, not who you're praying with. Does that make sense? 
I think there probably are some of us who pray at certain times to get people to think positively about you, right? And so it's certainly easy to pray and be thinking, okay, I hope they're thinking good things about my prayer here. But here's the, here's the flip side of it, and this might get a little, ouch, might hurt a little bit. I think there are just as many people like those who pray in such a way to get people to think positively of them. I think there's probably just as many people, if not more, who are afraid to pray in, other peop- in front of other people <laughs> because you don't want people to think negatively about you. You see what I'm saying? And so really, both groups of people the ones who are trying to impress others with their prayers, and the ones who are afraid to disappoint others with their prayers. Both groups of people are kind of praying with one eye open, wondering what other people are thinking about them when they're praying. I think we probably all fall into one of those two camps, so this is for all of us. And so the solution is what? More time in the closet is what Jesus says. More time on your knees before the Father. Not worrying about what other people think. Not worrying about what to say. Not worrying about how you'll be received or how spiritual you are or aren't coming across. Just more time genuinely spent in prayer, just you and God. Because what promise do we see in this verse? Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. See how... Jesus is just what he's just done there. Those who pray and are only concerned with what other people think about them, they've received their reward from other people. But if you pray just to God, God will reward you. Now, what's a better reward? Other people thinking something about me? Or God himself, with all the universe at his disposal, hearing your prayer and answering and rewarding you. It's the second one is, is the answer to that question. God himself sees you and rewards you when you pray. He doesn't need you to make a big show of it. He just wants you to show up and pray. So don't make it about what other people see. Just pray. Just go to God. And it boils down to this, really, I think. And this is, again, convicting to all of us. If your daily life is filled with secret prayer between you and God, when the time comes to pray out loud with other believers, you're not even going to be thinking about what other people think because prayer is just going to be so second nature to you. You just do it all the time. You're going to go to prayer. And so that's why Jesus says pray in secret. The more you pray between you and the Father, the less you are concerned with what other people think about. So this morning, you're being honest with yourself And you're like, yeah, you know what? When I pray in front of other people, I'm really thinking about and concerned with how well I'm impressing them. Like, if that's you, that's okay. (laughs) But I don't want you to stay there. Spend more time in secret prayer with God. And if you're here this morning, you're like, I'm terrified to pray in front of other people. Again, that's that's okay. There's no judgment or condemnation here. But it's an encouragement. I don't, I don't want you to stay there either. Spend more time praying throughout your day. And when the time comes to pray with other people, just try to be brave. And remember that you're not praying to other people. And it doesn't matter what they think. 
You're praying to God who promises that he hears and he rewards those who come to him. And I promise you, I cannot tell you how much I have been blessed in my walk with the Lord by hearing the prayers of other people, even the most simple of all prayers of other people. When I hear somebody come to God in just genuine faith, this I know God is hearing me, and I don't know all the right fancy words to say, but I'm just going to pray because he hears me. I cannot tell you how much that has blessed me. So when you're brave and you're bold and you step out and the time does come to pray in a group with other people, I promise you are going to be blessing those around you. So don't pray being concerned with what other people think about you. Just pray to an audience of one. Amen? All right, that's the first way not to pray. Here's the second way not to pray. Don't pray to manipulate God. Don't pray to manipulate God. Verse 7. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Again, not living in this time of Jesus, when you first read this, you don't really know what's going on here, right? We need to figure, we need to dig deep and figure out what Jesus is talking about. Who are the Gentiles and why are they babbling? What does that mean? First of all, Gentiles isn't a word that we say very often uh, anymore. What does it mean? It means when you see the word Gentiles in the Bible, who's it talking about? It's talking about non-Jewish people. There are two categories in Scripture. There's uh, Jewish people and non-Jewish people, Gentile people. So anyone who wasn't ethnically Jewish would fall into this camp. All right, so let's think about this for a second. At this time... When non-Jewish people were praying, were they generally praying to Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You can say it out loud. I'm just giving you a hint here. but shaking my head. Thank you, everybody. Come on. Here we go. No, they were not praying to God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Who were they praying to? False gods, right? Idols. This is so important to understand because we don't think about it anymore. It's not weird for us to think about Gentiles praying to God, right? But that wasn't really a thing that happened very often back then. And so back then, a Gentile equaled a non-follower of the one true God, someone worshiping a false God. God. So when Jesus says, don't pray like the Gentiles who babble and babble and babble all the time, he's talking about a very specific thing. We see a perfect example of this in 1 Kings chapter 18. You can turn there if you want. You don't have to. But this is the story of Elijah versus the prophets of Baal. You remember the story. Elijah tells the prophets of Baal to set up an altar, and then Elijah would do the same, and they'd have a fire-making contest uh, to see uh, which, uh, whose God would rain down fire from heaven. And we're told that they set up these altars. And then verse 26, 1 Kings chapter 18 says, They took the bowl that was given them, and they prepared it, and they called upon the name of Baal, Baal, from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. Can you imagine that? That being your prayer life? Morning to noon, just saying the same thing over and over. Oh, Baal, answer us. Oh, Baal, answer us. Oh, Baal, answer us. Hours and hours, right? It's sad because Baal's not going to answer them, is he? 
I've had a few opportunities in my life to witness people worshiping false gods. We've talked about it before. And it's just so sad seeing people that are literally, they're just beholden to this bogus, inanimate object that they think is somehow going to bless them if they just repeat the right words over and over again. Or they would be concerned with saying, this this deity that's represented by this object has many names, so I'm just going to use all the names that they have, and I hope that one of the names that this deity has will please them so that they will bless me. And so they would just mindlessly say the same things over and over and over again. And what Jesus is saying, again, in a way that he just, gets it so it's just perfect he's saying when you treat god like that i'm just i'm just gonna i'm not going to connect with the words i'm saying to him i'm just gonna say things that i think he wants to hear and say him over and over again if i'm asking for something i really want he says essentially you're just praying in the same way that a pagan worships a false praise to a false idol man so what do we do instead The answer is pray like you trust that God loves you. That's what he says in verse 8. Don't be like them. Why? Because your Father knows the things you need before you ask him. Your Father knows the things you need before you ask him. Those false gods aren't going to answer. But your Father knows. So you don't need to try to pray in such a way to, like, manipulate God to answer you. Pray like you trust that God already loves you before you go to him in prayer. Man, don't we sometimes feel like in prayer that when I approach God, I'd first need to like convince him why he should listen to me and care about me? What if we went to God in prayer already understanding that God loves us? If you believe that he loves you, if you believe he already knows what you need, and if you believe that he will provide what you need, then that is exactly the attitude that we need to take into prayer. God, I know you love me. I know you want what's ultimately best for me. You know my heart. You know what's on my mind right now, God. Help me to trust you. I don't want to pray just to try to manipulate you. I want to pray because I trust that you love me. And again, Jesus, I want to be careful. He's not saying, like, don't repeat yourself because God only has so much time on his hands and you don't want to waste any of his time. That's not what he's talking about at all. In fact, again, Jesus in the garden, before he goes to his crucifixion, it says he prays and he asks God, If it's your will, remove this cup from me. Not my will, but your will be done. And he's praying and praying that God would do this. And then he gets up, right? You know the story. Sees all the disciples were asleep. Wakes them up. Guys, come on. Stay up. It's a big night here. Let's try to stay awake. And then it says he went back and he prayed the same thing. Okay, so this is not saying you got a one and done chance, you just pray it to the God and then don't to, to God and then don't ever pray it again. That's not what he's talking about. What we're talking about is, is your heart connecting to the things that you are praying to God because you trust that He already loves you. And if so, that's when we can come and when something's on your heart, 
today, you bring it to him today. And when it's on your heart tomorrow, you bring it to him tomorrow. And when it's on your heart 10 minutes after that, you bring it to him after that. But not because you think, oh, well, if I just pray enough, then God's really going to answer me. And if I just say the right words enough times, he's going to give me what I want. It's because it's truly on your heart, and it's because you're truly going to the God that you know loves you and will provide for you because he cares for you. Next week, like I said, we're going to look at the famous prayer, the, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, instead, pray like this. And he tells us how he wants us to pray. We're going to see some really cool things next week. But for this week, I just think it's so important that we, we pause here and we see what Jesus is saying. Right? Don't use prayer as some sort of prop to make yourself look good in front of others. On the flip side, don't be so afraid of what other people think of you that you end up not praying altogether. And don't use prayer as some sort of manipulation tool to get what you want from God. If you're doing that, you might as well be praying to a, a statue. Basically, pray like you mean it. Well, Pastor Mike, why didn't you say that at the beginning? We could have saved about 30 minutes here. (laughs) Pray like you mean it. What's the problem with people who pray to manipulate people or pray to manipulate God? You don't mean what you're saying. Pray, go to God like you mean it. Like you believe that he hears you and that he loves you. And I just think we'd be remiss if we preached on praying and didn't take time to put it in practice. And so what we're going to do, we're going to wrap up the sermon a few minutes early. You say, well, it doesn't feel like it's a few minutes early. It's a few minutes early, okay? I didn't say it was a lot early, but a few minutes. I'm going to give you a chance to put this in practice. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to pray something called the Acts Method. I don't know if you've this is how my mom taught me to pray when I was a kid, and it's just as good as any that I know. It's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication is what it stands for. So start out with adoration, right? And if you notice, when I pray on Sunday mornings here, this is kind of the, the pattern that I go through as, as we pray. But this is, I think, a good way to go before the Lord. Start out adoration. Just worship God for who he is, right? Thank him and praise him for things that he already knows about himself. And then confession, confessing your sin to the Lord. And then thanksgiving, taking time to praise God for the ways that he's answered your prayer, for who he is and what he's done. And then finally, supplication, which is just a big word, just means stuff, right? Things that are on your heart, things that you want him to do, ways that you want him to move. Telling God your needs. So I'm going to leave this slide up. We're going to take probably about five minutes or so. And I just want you, again, just right where you are in your seat, just you and the Lord, a great time to put this into practice. So take about five minutes. We're just going to pray whatever's on your heart, and I'll come back and I'll close this in just a few minutes.
Father. We praise you that you hear us when we pray. You already knew what was on every single one of our hearts before we just went with before you. You promise to reward us when we come before you in prayer. And so we just worship you this morning. You are so great. You are just beyond what any of us can comprehend. And Lord, we confess to you this morning, uh, we fall short of the ways that you call us to live. We don't love you perfectly. We don't love our neighbor perfectly. And even though we have a perfect example in Jesus, we often instead decide uh, to follow our own way, Lord. Like the Apostle Paul says in Romans 7, the uh, things that I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death. Yet right after that, we say there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Lord. We praise you for that. Thank you for sending us your son so that we could be forgiven, restored. So, Father, as we live our lives following Jesus, we want to be more and more like him. So help us with that, God. Lord, for uh, everyone in this room, I know there are things that are just way heavy on hearts, Lord. Big and little things. And yet to you, God, as the one who holds, upholds the universe, spoke it into existence. In existence, there is nothing impossible for you, God. So strengthen our faith as we continue uh, every day to bring our needs before you, God. Strengthen our faith to believe that you hear, you love us, and you provide what we need. Thank you. Pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.